Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I wasn't quite sure if I was ever wanting to come back to YouTube because I felt, I think at points I felt quite disconnected from it. Do you think this season is a make or break season for Lampard? I think that Chelsea need to back a vision. There's this, the whole, this whole other side to you that I imagine a lot of your subscribers probably don't know too much about. I think that if they'd happened to me say pre-uni I'm not sure how I would have coped with them yes people welcome back to the football and feelings podcast I am here with our guest this week it's a man of balance a man of great insight to Chelsea fans it's Daniel Childs also known as the son of Chelsea how are you doing man well uh a man of balance. That is that. That's only one. That, that's a really good one. I mean, that's the one thing I'd want in Chelsea's midfield at the moment. So I'm, I'm glad <laughs> I'm at least bringing the balance because Chelsea don't seem to have a lot of balance at the moment. But uh, <laughs> thank you, man. Uh, thanks for inviting me on. It's a real pleasure. No, no, it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. It's been a very interesting year in many aspects, uh, especially in the football world as well. Um, it seems like you've been very busy with a lot on your plate, football content-wise. Mm. Yeah, it has. It's uh, it's been interesting, really, in terms of. The lockdown period and uh, personally for my channel it was it's it's a funny i guess it's a funny story like literally a week before lockdown happened i was sort of looking at the channel and decided you know i really want to grow it and really want to pursue making it bigger and i was like we're going daily content and i'm not it was literally the last premier league game before lockdown and you know got everything set up got content set up like new series you know post-match stuff and then literally four days later the, the Premier League gets suspended mm. and I'm like what am I going to do like there's no football to talk about and it was just about sort of improvising and I think my channel sort of I think benefited uh, through being a channel that was consistent for a, a period where I think a lot of people didn't really know what to do um, so it's it's been an interesting year and it's great football's back now and it was an exciting summer to be a Chelsea fan absolutely yeah yeah do you run your channel full-time is that is that what you do yeah, pretty much. Yeah, at the moment, uh, since returning from uni, uh, that's sort of been the goal and the, the pursuit. I think you know, I think like a lot of people my age and and I think the, the my, some of my mates, I think it was <laughs> lockdown sort of hit at the most inopportune time to be honest. Um, mm. Because you know, looking for work, especially in like media, filmmaking, that type of thing, um, there was a lot of job applications that seemed to be going somewhere, and then just where either the, the job became unavailable and it just you know the position was no longer relevant so um that became difficult but yeah it's, it's sort of become a pursuit over the past year to to really grow the channel and see if it can become a, a full-time theme class man class yeah i know what you mean for me part of the reason that i throughout lockdown i was quite motivated for this podcast is because i was i was looking for work experience at that time and it was just it just wasn't happening so i thought fuck it i'll make my mm. own opportunity um yeah yeah, yeah you got, got got to work with these things um let's let's dive into it then on your channel and chelsea why why did you start your channel i know that's a really broad question but um you've mm. been doing it for a while right yeah i started it in 2014 um and it was literally i was just i'd just finished 
school and just finished GCSEs and I was uh, I always I think the excuse is I was bored one summer and um, all I did was speak about Chelsea in sort of my spare time and at the time to be honest there was the football sort of online YouTube stuff was starting to grow a bit um, but in terms of Chelsea voices online I mean it was really small like it was I mean it was literally like two channels I could watch at the time that were Chelsea sort of creators um, and yeah I just I just started making videos I was very lucky that two of the biggest creators at Eunice and uh, Jonah Zeka, Um, I just contacted them and said hey can we do a podcast and I had like zero subscribers like I was I'd not made a video yet and they were very kind and I collabed and that's basically where it started so um, it, it was from there really and watching sort of the year previous or sort of the fan channel stuff the fan media stuff come about and uh, really grow and wanted to sort of be a part of it and felt that as a Chelsea voice I could add something that probably wasn't there. Mm. Yeah yeah of course yeah it's quite nice to see I always uh, appreciate fan channels that have that have like a, a, a not I don't want to say unique a balanced insight because as as fans everyone knows that it's very easy and yeah it's easier to get views if you're if uh, I don't know. Do you know what? I'm not really making any sense here. It's easy to get views if you have, if you're Riding. a bit more out there. Yeah, 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 yeah. If mm. you're a, if you're trying to be controversial rather than trying to bring balance yeah. to the table. But um, as now you have how many subs do you have now? Like fifteen thousand. We just passed sixteen. Oh nice. Uh, K the other day. So yeah, it was yeah just literally past sixteen K. Awesome. Well done. Um. But aside, Thank you, as well as producing content for these people, does the the uh, the channel have a have a purpose for you? Does it do something for you? Is it like a, a release, or or for you, is it more of mm. like a like a work experience trophy sort of thing to have? Um, I think whether it's right or not to say, I think it is a you know a form of I guess therapy if that's too strong to to, to call it. I think that. It, it's something I've been doing since the age of five when I first went to see Chelsea, you know, when I started supporting the club. Um, you know, it's it's a big part of who I am being a Chelsea fan. And, you know, it's it's Chelsea, my local club. Um, my family have supported the club for generations. Um, so it it's Chelsea in my family is a, is a massive part of, you know, when we get together or, you know, in terms of going to Stamford Bridge as a family at points or, just generally it's it's I think it's so much more than just hey I support this club I think for a lot of people and most people relate to this if they support a football club it's so sort of ingrained in you in it's so much more than just what happens on a Saturday on a pitch you know it's it I think it represents a lot of who you are so um I feel that I feel I feel a sense of that as well um I feel you know talking about when I started the channel it hasn't been a straight road since 2014 I mean anyone who looks at my channel and the majority of my my subs now were watching from last year when I restarted the channel because I pretty much went to uni for three years and didn't touch YouTube you know I'd almost mm. sort of, you know given it up in a sense um and I guess as I said to you at the start it's um there was this motivation at a point to come back and maybe once again give something that that wasn't there and I think you know that you can moan you can sit there and moan about stuff that isn't there online or you can do something about it and that was sort of my feeling uh returning for last season mm -hmm. that break you had away from YouTube then was that was that quite welcome did you feel like you needed that yeah. or was it you just wasn't really sure where you wanted to take it I think it was very relevant I mean you know going to university I think was 
such an incredible time for me and such a uh, I, I think the way the channel is now and the format and the mindset behind the channel now I think has to be informed by my experience at uni even though it wasn't about football it had nothing to do with football mm. um just the way I look at things just the way I want to sort of dive deeper into things and I think that there were a few moments because I was involved in a you know an early Chelsea fan channel 100% Chelsea and there were there were some things within there that I think I almost felt it it was almost like put it on putting it on pause or putting it in the cupboard for a few years and thinking you know that could be something I could return to mm-hmm. um but to be honest I wasn't entirely sure I think it was the 18-19 season um with Sarri and there was a lot of you know if you're not a Chelsea fan it was a very sort of toxic year in terms of fan sort of division and I'd never sort of seen it at Chelsea before um in my time supporting the club so it was I felt it was sort of a great spark and a great point for me to come back and start talking again so yeah that that's that was sort of where the inspiration came from but I, I do think it was it was a weird time because I, I, w- I wasn't quite sure if I was ever wanting to come back to YouTube because I felt I think at points I felt quite disconnected from it I felt that you know could this type of thing I want to do be successful could it attract you know is there an audience out there for that that was the big question yeah yeah it can be quite nerve-wracking when you when you come back into it I guess but um for, mm. for my channel I've I've intentionally avoided like super topical conversations about about the game, about like what's coming yeah. up because by the time I've edited it and released it, it's out of date. But for you, your turnaround must be absolutely rapid. Yeah, um, sort of going daily and it's uh, it's it's an interesting thing. I mean, I I like to think I put my the motto sort of on my channel and I always, when I, when I talk about the channel, I feel like I'm about to go in some sort of David Brent sort of character <laughs> thing where I always worry I'm going to sound like an idiot and sort of egotistical. But, um, my motto is, you know, quality over quantity. And that's very hard to do. Unfortunately, YouTube doesn't really have that mindset. Um, mm-hmm. if I'd love to be able to put out one video a week, and if I could put all my energy into putting one video out a week, that'd be amazing. And maybe there could be a day for that. But unfortunately, the way, just the, the harsh reality of the way the algorithm works, that's not what YouTube wants. Um, I think it's always that balance of quality and quantity. And, you know, when I edit my videos, I don't ever put out a video that I don't re-watch right. um, the full way through. I, I'm very uh, focused on what I say. If there's something in there that I said that I think sounds wrong or I'm, I'm, I'll probably just cut it out. Um I'm in terms of the turnaround so it isn't just rushing I do a lot of um, a lot of my stuff is fact-based a lot of my stuff comes from what I believe to be respectable sources in terms of news and I I care a lot about that Um, but it is is that I'm sure like a lot of YouTubers face it's that sort of balance between quality and quantity and of course not Mm -hmm. every video is going to be a 10 out of 10 because not you know that's just life you can't expect that to be to be the case every day but at least that's what I try to do even if there are videos out every day. Yeah, of course. Yeah. For you, is there, is there a buzz to get a video out as soon as possible then? Because if you're doing it after like mm. a press conference or there's breaking news, is there, yeah. is, does, does that give you a thrill to get the video out as quickly as you can? Yeah. If it's like, I think if there's been a, like a big win, if Chelsea have won a game, well, um, you want to sort of share your excitement about it or very relevant to over the summer some big signings um that that Chelsea made and there's a lot of excitement over that mm. and you sort of want to share in sort of the relief of the player signing and um give your opinions on it um you know no bs i've you know i have pre-recorded some stuff before um 
because to really once again sort of go in depth on a, on an idea and sort of delve into say Kai Habits signing for Chelsea I have a lot more to say about that and I think recording it in the moment I'm worried I'm not really going to get all that sort of stuff out and all the points I want to make about why I think that's an amazing signing for Chelsea um, but yeah there, there is that buzz um, to get stuff out there and to know that there's an audience there who are even you know waiting for your content or want to watch it and care about what you say I think that's a a very empowering thing so it's um it, there is that buzz absolutely especially for a club like Chelsea mm, yeah of course yeah let's move on to Chelsea to Chelsea briefly um Chelsea I've, they've sort of got this reputation now of having slightly throwaway managers I suppose but um yeah do you think this season is a make or break season for Lampard do you or do you think he's got another year of sort of novelty left in him because now he's got that extra weight on his shoulders that he spent this money and obviously last year he did not have that luxury I think I can only speak for myself and I've, you know, you, you make a relevant point. I mean, to anyone who's not a Chelsea fan, that would be the impression. And I think that's something my, as a fan myself, just going to you know, go into the bridge and caring about the club. That's something I want to see changed. Not only because I think that Chelsea continuing to have that mindset has put us further and further back into, if we want to talk about, you know, winning the Premier League, um, I just, the stomach, I just don't have the stomach for it at the moment. Like, I think that it's that emotional thing of you get invested in the manager's ideas and you're like, oh, I want to see this go somewhere. And then it's cut short. And you're like, oh no, then we have to go through the whole process again of learning about a new manager. What are the, what is this manager's ideas? You know, I think that there's, there's a sense for a lot of the years where Chelsea fans are conditioned to believe that's the way things are supposed to be mm. and you can't really argue with it because the success kept on coming in and in but I think in terms of Lampard um, I don't think unless it's a whole like disaster this year and we're finishing 10th and you know it's it's really regressed no I think that Chelsea need to back a vision you know whether Lampard's the right man or not I I think that I just want to see something given a little bit more time. You know, I want to see something, you know, it's, it's like reading a book or seeing a film and you, you the last like 10 minutes or like there's half an hour gone out of the film. Um, I don't, I don't want to see that because I think what Lampard represents to a lot of fans, it, it'd be so special Lampard winning anything at Chelsea. I think it would. Yeah. You know, not romantically a Premier League. Yeah. Like even for me, like an FA Cup or a League Cup would mean, I think as much to a lot of people as a Premier League title. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't, I don't think that I, you know, I think it's very easy to, the unfortunate thing about like outside the club, whatever I think as a fan and what Chelsea fans think, until Chelsea give a manager three or four years, that sort of perception is always going to be there. Mm -hmm. um, and you can't really argue against that. So, you know, it's, it's wishful thinking for me at the moment, but my hope is that's where Chelsea is sort of going with Lampard because I think it's it's the right way of going about things. And and I think hitting the reset button would be a stupid move once again. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, th I think I agree with that. As, as an Arsenal fan, it, I'm sort of... I'm still acclimatizing to the idea that we haven't got a manager for like 20 years as, uh, as I was mm. used to with, with Arsene Wenger. That's that's all I knew in football. And I, I always probably look down at clubs that had a quick turnaround of managers. It's like, you have no idea what you're doing. But I mean, yeah. it, but like you said, it's worked for Chelsea, but it is such a, such a romantic story, the, the Lampard story, much like the Arteta one could be now. If it goes well, yeah. it will, it will feel, it will feel so much better than it, than it would if it was just a random manager, right? Mm. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I think that when we were in the ground last year, um, and I think that's something that's difficult at the moment because 
especially as Chelsea have had frustrations at the start of this season. I think it's social media can sort of lead you down a path of thinking that Lampard's, uh, there's more fans critical of Lampard or sort of against Lampard than there actually is. And unfortunately, social media is not a great place to sort of, I think, uh, to, to be a barometer of sort of fan sort mm. of feeling or supporter of feeling. I think, you know, being in the ground is such an important thing. And, and really, you can, I think, even though this is harsh and, you know, most, you know, Arsenal, Chelsea, big clubs, it's international. Of course it is. And you've got to value that and understand that. But I do think the best barometer is in Stamford Bridge. And last season at Stamford Bridge, there were some very special moments that I was there to see under Lampard and the connection and unity that meant so much. You know, there was, you know, the 4-4 against Ajax, which is, you know, one of the best games I've ever seen in my life. And the ecstasy there, it just felt on another level. It felt with Lampard and it feels with Lampard every time we win, it means a little bit more, even if it's a win you expect to get, say as Chelsea. Every goal seems to mean a little bit more. Mm. Um, and those are very sort of, I guess, cliched terms. But that's that's generally the way it felt, I think, for a lot of Chelsea fans last year. I think there was a lot of fans who felt disconnected from the club the previous year or maybe the year before that, that felt reconnected with Lampard coming in. Um, it, it just, it does feel like potentially a new era. It does feel like this could be a real turning point for the club of sort of rebuilding and going in a new direction um, to hopefully bring us more success in the, in the coming years. But it's to, to me, it's just enjoyable seeing a coach that we all love, we all back, and I think has the club's best interest at heart. You know, he loves the clubs and he's a brilliant spokesman for the club as well. He he speaks for Chelsea fans, which I think sometimes maybe in the past, not to the coaches' thoughts themselves, you know, whether they're foreign managers coming into a new culture and, and the media spinning their words because they don't have the greatest grasp of the English language. I know Unai Emery, unfortunately, felt victim to this. Mm. Um, Lampard absolutely is that guy who's speaking for Chelsea fans on a regular basis, which is good. Yeah, yeah. You can definitely see that as well from uh, from the outside. Um, have you ever had like a, a lot of built up frustration towards the club and and your the sort of content that revolves around that? Has there ever been a period where mm. you thought like I, I don't even I don't even want to make this content? Obviously, apart from the, the hiatus you took over university, has there ever been a period where you needed to you felt like you needed to take a break, but maybe you didn't? No, because I think my my idea is like. I think that if I stop doing it, then, and if I'm not giving my opinion and who is, it, like, it sounds egotistical, but it's like, who is, as as I was saying, when I, you know, when I decided to get back into YouTube was who's giving that view, you know, who's going to, mm. no, no one's going to say what I want to say in the way I want to say it, you know, and you're just allowing that negativity or sort of overreaction to fester. You know, I think that, I think I have to, use that sort of frustration or negativity for motivation to create something good. So that's, the, I think that's the thing. I, I, I don't, in terms of your question, I think it's very relevant to the period where I was just about to come back to YouTube in the Sari season. Um, I, I think if you're in uh, relevant to your question, I think that's when I was building up most frustration in terms of the fan reaction, in terms of the divisiveness, in terms of the way some people with a big platform were speaking about fellow fans and I felt it was really toxic and negative and that was my sort of burning sort of motivation to get back into the game so no I really haven't had that of course you have down days but that's not really relevant to football we all have those you know it's just oh do I feel like making a video do I feel like getting in front of camera and expression especially after a bad result you have to sort of calm yourself down um, but no I, I think that that sort of motivation to talk about Chelsea is always there because it's a massive part of, of my life yeah yeah of course you you're very active on twitter 
um, ex- extremely active. Mm. How how do you have much of a balance there? How do you not get sucked into like the dark sides of, of football Twitter? Because I I'm yeah. I try to keep it at an arm's length at all times. Yeah. Like I'll, I'll try I'll go onto it when I want to post. I'll go for it occasionally, but. I don't mm. post too too often. Otherwise, I just end up looking at replies and it just messes yeah. with my head when you surround yourself with that negativity that is so prominent on Twitter. But how do you keep yeah. that at arm's length if you do? Recently, I've started using TweetDeck, um, which right. is an amazing way to really sort of like nail down the things you want to see um, in terms of, leaving out negative voices. So like I've a tweet deck is a great way you can sort of file sort of folders of sort of lists of, of your favorite accounts. And cause you know, if you just go on Twitter, usually it's just, it's a complete mess that timeline. Like, you know, you, you'll, you'll see football, you'll see, you know, politics, you'll see news, I'll see film. And it's just all a massive mess and a blur. And it's like, it's very hard to sort of connect to it. So I've been using tweet deck, which is, which I think has been helpful in a sense of, I, have voices on there that I respect that I engage with on a regular basis, whether that's guests I've had on the channel, um, stats and analysis, people, um, sources for the clubs are like the top journalists and stuff. So that I find that sort of way of going about things has definitely helped me. I think that in terms of getting down the dark paths of Twitter, of course, sometimes you can get frustrated by the reactionary way of doing it, but I think it's, it's very easy to shut that stuff off. I think, I, I think that, um, it's a challenge we all have, I think, nowadays with social media. But I, I don't feel that I don't feel like I am dragged down by Twitter. I think I've I've done periods where I've just deleted Twitter off my phone and I've been done with it. I've turned notifications off, you know, all that stuff. So it's even though I'm very active, there's a lot of times where I'll just post something and I'll leave it. You know, I don't. There's I think that's that's probably a, a positive way. That's the way at least I deal with it. I don't know if that's the way others deal with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that sounds like a, a good approach to take. I'm I'm trying to get into that into that habit of posting, whether that or not that's a video upload or a podcast upload. When mm. I upload it, I want to be able to just to leave it. Otherwise, I'll, I'll sit there refreshing, seeing how many views and how many likes it's getting yeah. getting so quickly. But um, let's move away from that sort of content creation side on, on YouTube because there's this the whole this whole other side to you that I imagine a lot of your subscribers probably don't know too much about the fact that you're very passionate about screenwriting and directing. Once again, on this podcast, I try to show how people aren't one dimensional in that football world. Otherwise we make it all about that. And it's, it's not all about that. So how did this, Mm. how did this passion develop for you? I think it almost goes hand in hand with my love for Chelsea. I mean, in terms of uh, wanting to tell stories from a very early age, I mean, I could probably make an argument that uh, it was actually before going to see Chelsea. Um, And it's always sort of been sort of level, I think, all through my life, you know, in terms of my love for writing stories, filmmaking, films, um, even at an early age, uh, musical theatre, which was sort of the, and, and going to see stage shows, that was like the, going to the like London Palladium at an early age. Um, that was sort of the doorway into like performance and, and storytelling and art and stuff like that. So that that was a big thing for me. And um, yeah, I, I just, I remember from a very early age wanting to, to make films. It was, it, it was always there. And um, I think that, as I said, going to uni, it was it was a massive moment for me because it was something I'd been sort of planning for a, for a long time. I'd, it was a goal of mine to to go uni and study filmmaking, 
and make films myself, make a couple of short films, write scripts. So it's a big part of who I am. And I think mentally it's great because it's a great escape from football sometimes when it becomes a bit too much. Um, so I do have that other focus that I can rely on. Like my closest mates are not interested in football at all. We don't talk about football. They have, you know, they make jokes about how stupid football is. And I love that because it's, you know, someone who speaks about Chelsea on a daily basis and makes videos and is very much involved in all that stuff. It's great to escape and talk about, you know, the new Avengers film or the new, you know, Tarantino film or, you know, whatever it is. I I, I love that. So, yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's a finding moment for me. I remember going to see uh, Scott Pilgrim versus the world uh, at the age of 13 and, I remember seeing that film from, you know, Edgar Wright film is my favorite, Edgar Wright's my favorite director. And um, that was like a defining night of my life. Uh, that was, I just knew from that moment, I wanted to make films. I wanted to become a director. So it was, it's, it's been a burning passion in my life. It's, it's very much 50, 50 with Chelsea in my opinion. And so, yeah, that just because I'm doing YouTube videos doesn't mean that that passion has died at all. It's, it's still a relevant daily part of my life too. Is that maybe where you, where you see your, your long-term future? I think so. I think that that's still my goal. I, I think I'd be disingenuous if I say my my life goal, sort of my, one of my big life goals, isn't to get into filmmaking, make a film myself, make a feature film. Um, I think that's still a big goal of mine. I think that it depends on how the next few years go, and I think it depends how Son of Chelsea develops. Um, because as I say, it is a bit of a fifty fifty sort of love thing with me in terms of football and 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 film, and I think that. It's that sort of left and right thing. But then, you know, if I could create a situation where the dream scenario is having either both work together, so you could make like Chelsea documentaries and films, or, you know, have be able to do YouTube, but also be able to do filmmaking stuff on the side that's not at all connected to football. I think that's the, the dream scenario, isn't it? But yeah, I'd say that's still a, a massive goal of mine. Um, so, so yeah, it's, it's a massive part of who I am. And um, yeah, I think it, it allows me, I think it also allows me, I think... I think it's very easy to separate those two things, but I think that the way I look at my channel, the way I care a lot about like my production value of the channel and the way I edit, I think is very much out of filmmaking and very much mm-hmm. out of storytelling and stuff like that. So I, I think that they absolutely are connected, even though they're, I think to a lot of people, they would seem very, very different. How how long does it take you from from like the start of, of, of a video idea, from writing it to, to do you, mm-hmm. I, I imagine you script sort of what, what you're going to say in your videos? Yeah, sort of. Um, I guess bullet points is sort of a, a better way of going about. I mean, it's, it's different for different videos. Like, yeah. um, use so let's just say, like, let's talk Chelsea, which is like my news show, which is the the most, the, the only series I think I sort of do the most episodes in a week, right? So I usually do three to four episodes of that in a week, and that's I think very easy because you're taking inspiration from news stories in the media about Chelsea, and so I will whether that's the night before or the morning of before I record the video, I'll research those stories. I'll, you know, look at the articles. I'll look at maybe other articles that are relevant to that story. And, you know, it's not like you touch on every story. I will only touch on stories I have something to say about. Mm-hmm. Um, that's good. That's, that's important I, as well. Otherwise you'll, yeah, you'll just yeah, lose I mean, yourself. There, there was some times where I haven't put a video out in one day because it's it's i'm not gonna either it's a topic i've gone over over and over again and it'd be especially kai habits that's a great example where it'd been very easy for me almost every day to put kai habits in the title of my video 
Um, but it was about a two or three week period where nothing really massive was happening in terms of him coming to Chelsea. And I was like, until there's a massive breakthrough here, I've said what I've needed to say on Kai Havertz coming to Chelsea and that's it. And then luckily, eventually he did sign for Chelsea, which is great because we could then talk about it a bit more. But yeah, so it's it's sort of breaking down those stories and looking at those stories and then giving my opinions on them and and, and then going from there, sort of scripting it. I wouldn't say it's a, it's a script in a sense. You mm-hmm. know, it's not a... It's, not like a teleprompter thing where I'm reading through point by point. There's sometimes where if I'm looking at a player, I may read out like extracts from scout reports um, that I've read and um, very much linking it back to where I got it from. I'm very big on sort of linking where I've got, you know, sources from and, and putting them all in my description box, which I think unfortunate because I've heard journalists like Matt Law say, you know, I don't mind people sharing my stories, but as long as they share them in the link of their videos, yeah. that's, you know, fine with me. So that's always what I've done. Um, but yeah, that's that's sort of the, the way it goes goes in terms of setting up a video. And I think that if you're connected to Chelsea and if you're connected to just football, I think you have these debates and you see these debates online and you can sort of formulate where you are in terms of that. And it's I think it's very easy for me to just go bullet point, bullet point, bullet point. And so sometimes I don't even get to all of them in a video. Sometimes it would just be like, oh, actually, I'll go off in this tangent. So I think there's, it's about having that structure, but it's also also having that ability to sort of maybe sometimes go off script. So yeah, I hope I didn't follow that question or, or go off on too, too much of a tangent because it, I think it is different for different videos. Sometimes yeah. you do need a more, if it's a big story, like if it's something that I really need to get a lot of point, like Project Big Picture the other week was a great example of this where getting all of the actual info of it because it was a very complex sort of story with a lot of different bullet points and a lot of different areas you could sort of dive into. But in other stories, I can sort of just go, this is one story, but I've got an opinion that's relevant that I could jump off of here. So yeah, that's sort of the way I go is, about things. Is that the part you enjoy most, like the planning it and working out the structure and like basically like the, the screenwriting mm-hmm. of it? Um, I guess in a sense, I think it's it's... I think it's quite easy to do now. There's a rhythm to it and uh, it's sort of just like second nature where you just go, I'm sure it's just like for a lot of people, there's a schedule, there's, you know, you get into a rhythm of doing it. And sometimes when you start a video, you think, oh, you know, I'm going to be able to do it, do this again. You know, I think there's always that self-doubt when you hit the record button, you're like, oh, am I going to be as good as I was yesterday? Or am I going to be as confident as I was yesterday in front of camera? And you just do it. It's like, you know, I, I, make it like and, and relate it to working out, which is a big part of my life now in terms of fitness where, you know, there's a lot of time where you think, am I going to get through this workout? You know, it's going to be tough, but you just you end up doing it and you're like, you're after the workout and you think, where did that time go? Did I just, you know, put myself through that? Like, yeah, I think it's to say, it's not that I'm not present for my videos. I'm not trying to say like, I'm just like phoning in videos. It, it's more <laughs> that to say that there's one part i think i enjoy all of the elements at the same time i enjoy planning it planning what i'm going to say this is sort of the point i want to get across in this video to recording it which is the most difficult part of it and then editing it and sort of whether that's the graphics or just you know the way it's going to look and try and improve something from the other day that's i think it's all they're all parts of it i enjoy Awesome. Awesome. You clearly have uh, a lot of creative energy inside you that, you that you need to get out in one way or another. But in mm. terms of this creativity, whether that's with your YouTube channel, whether that's with the, with filmmaking, is there is there like a, I don't not an end goal, but is there like a benchmark that you want to reach? Like that's the idea you had with making maybe like Chelsea documentaries, that sort of thing. Is that mm. like a, a goal you want to reach? And then you'll be like, wow, okay. Yeah. So I've, I've, like I've, yeah. I've sort of fulfilled what I what I wanted to do. Mm. I think the problem is, and as as you said, with like creative energy, and I think my biggest 
it's, it's hard for me to say, but I think if I was just being really sort of self-critical, I think my biggest strength is also in a way my biggest weakness. I think that my biggest strength is that I think that I can have ideas, big ideas for projects and want to go in a direction and I'm going to go hundred percent on this thing and I'm going to try and make it the best it can be. And I have really big ideas, but then there is that other side to it of even when you get success or you feel like there's improvement, you're always looking at the next thing. You know, there's always tomorrow. You know, I, I don't live with regrets. I hate looking back. I hate, you know, dwelling on the past, but it's that overthinking things or putting too much pressure on yourself that I think that has has been a constant struggle. It's almost a daily struggle, you know, and I think that's the the, the issue for a lot of people. In terms of the end goal, you know, I, I, I have massive goals for Son of Chelsea because I think, I'd love to make, turn it into some form of like a media company where it's not even just me on the camera potentially. And um, it can it can sort of broaden out. Um, but then also, you know, turning my feature film ideas into reality. You know, I have big ideas about that as well. Um, so I, I guess that's the problem as well is that you, having all these big ideas, it's, uh, it's, it's, I think it's a constant struggle of sort of your expectation and sort of being happy with where you are right now. Mm-hmm. I think that's something that I've struggled with of constantly looking forward, constantly thinking about, I got to do this. I got to do this. I got to do this. And, um, and always looking years, sometimes years in front of you rather than just appreciating where you are right now. Um, I don't know if that answered your question, but I think that's when you asked that question, that's instantly what came to mind because mm-hmm. I think that, um, that's something where this year I should be really happy with the channel because it's, gone oh like my expectation was 10k at the end of this year um and we hit 10k in july and then 15k and we hit 15k in september and now you know there is a possibility maybe we could hit 20k and um sometimes you get down because maybe it's not hitting the way you want to hit want it to hit and um i think appreciating that is, is a big part and, and something that you i think i have to work on every day to be honest yeah yeah i can see that and it's exactly the same for me sometimes like when I first started doing this podcast, especially when I started recording an episode, I was I was already thinking about the edit. I was I'm already thinking about when mm. it's going to come out. Whereas I've tried to sort of channel that energy differently and to just try to fucking relax, really, and just just enjoy yeah. the conversation. Otherwise, I was saying to Blue Van Man on a podcast a few weeks ago, I was saying if I'm focused on the end product and the views that it gets, then in years years in the future, like I I won't. I won't, I won't know how that sort of shaped who I am as a person rather than slowing it down, enjoying the process. Okay, we are back. Sorry, we had some technical issues there, people, but we're back. Not entirely sure where we left it off, but I, I wanted to dive into, into a, another segue anyway, talking about university life for you and how mm. that sort of shaped the person that you are. Because for me, I'm I'm in third year now. I'm a mature student technically, but um, I've, I found it quite interesting to see how it's shaped people around me and how it's shaped myself. So for you, how do you think your university life has sort of contributed to your to your character? I think it's contributed massively. Um, I think going to uni was such a big thing for, for me in terms of, you know, getting away from London and, and living independently and meeting new people and just, you know, being, you know, I'm a naturally introverted person. So I think meeting new people and sort of living that way, I think was massive. I, I think it was, you know, 50-50 split for me in terms of, 
the work that I, by the end of it, I loved it even more and more. By the time we got to third year, I was so involved with it. And I think that, you know, that was, that was not the way it was sold to me. You know, a lot of people who've been to uni before say, oh, you'll hate third year. But no, I actually, by the time we got to third year, I loved, because it, it gave me such a great, you know, I was able in my life at uni to create such a brilliant structure, which is something I'd wanted before um, in terms of, you know, mixing with fitness and, you know, waking up, you know, you know, early and having those independent things that you want to have and meeting amazing people like the, the, I was so blessed that the people I lived with at uni are were some of the greatest people, you know, I could have ever hoped to, to live with and meet and, and become close mates. And, you know, it's, it's no exaggeration of whether they say this or not. I, you know, I treat, they, they were like family to me. So it was, it was an amazing time and an amazing place and it was um i think also just what university gave me was not only independence and you know looking at the world a different way in terms of thinking more deeply about subjects and i think that's really helped me with football in terms of my analysis or, or sort of the way i think about football now um and questioning something a little bit further than just you know just looking at it it was the same with like when we were studying film or tv at uni and it's not just about watching something and think whether this was good or bad. It's, you know, the symbolism behind things. I know that this may sound pretentious to people who, you know, sort of roll their eyes at these things, but I, I found it really useful in terms of relating it to other things I do. But I think it, it helped give that perspective of the world of feeling positive about things and taking challenges that I had at uni. And we're not even that relevant to uni. You have things that happen to you in life just naturally. And I had some massive moments throughout my time at uni where, I think that if they'd happened to me, say, pre-uni, I'm not sure how I would have coped with them. Mm -hmm. But the fact I had an amazing support system around me and some amazing friends, and I think I was in a place that motivated me to become a better person, I think helped me. So uni will forever be, I think, you know, at the moment, I, you know, I think it is, you know, the best three years of my life. I think there's no doubt in that. And I think that there's a lot of debate at the moment whether uni's worth it and i can i can understand that you know i'm a live and let live guy you know i'm not i'm not preaching that everyone has to go to uni because some people whether the, you know the, the upbringing they've had you know maybe that's not the right moment for them and that's you know absolutely cool but for me it was the perfect sort of fit um it just was absolutely everything i needed um at that point um at the age of 18 it helped me get out of my bubble in london um it helped me experience life and it, it, it helped me meet some amazing people and achieve some great things. So I'm I'm so grateful for that time because I'm I'm so I'm so much a, a better person for it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uni has, uni shaped me as well. But my experience was was quite different. I was 23 when I started, and I remember mm. sitting there on my first day. 23. I, I felt like I'd done quite a lot of maturing before that, and um, mm. I've had some life experience under my belt. And I was sitting with all these 18 year olds who who I could see were just not confused, but they, they, they didn't, they, they just weren't overly comfortable in themselves. And I actually found that really yeah. like nurturing and quite, quite comforting to see. Cause like sometimes for me, cause I, I was 23, I sometimes forgot how key that experience is to shaping the person that you are. But, um, yeah, yeah, it is amazing. And one of the main things you're paying for at university, there is, like you said, a lot of controversy over whether it's worth it. But I, I think that's just a, almost a pointless debate, in, in my opinion. Um, you're you're paying to be around these people that otherwise you would not be in a room with. Yeah, quite simply, like you wouldn't like whether or not that's friends, whether or not that's professionals. I imagine for you in your field of work, I imagine that sort of it's a very tight knit network. I imagine that opens up a lot, a lot of avenues for you. 
Yeah, it, well, you meet a lot of people who, especially just speaking on a filmmaking course, because I, I, with the exception of one of my close mates, Ethan, um, I didn't really live with film people um, in terms yeah. of people on my course. Um, but the, the great thing about the people on your course is they, they have a love for film, but they come at, at a very different angle to you. And what really helped me in terms of filmmaking was opening my eyes to new types of films, new ways of, of looking at film. And yeah, it, it helps you. And, you know, we did, you know, several short films and anyone who's tried to make a, a film before, it's, I think it's such a great, when anyone tries to, to spin it to you that filmmaking is, you know, an easy, an easy course or an easy um, way of doing things, you know, try, go on a film set, be wake up at 4am in the morning and go to some freezing beach in like in in bogner and try and film <laughs> where it's raining it's pouring and you know you've you've you can barely feel your fingers and but you're you're there because you love filmmaking and you want to create something special so um it was also th those moments were really tough they were tough because they questioned you know how much i loved film and whether i really wanted to do this you know i had some difficult moments um and that's another great thing i think uni does it gives you those moments of sort of it really tests sort of i think your resilience and um test the way you think i think there's a lot of rubbish online now about what unis are um in terms of being these echo chambers um i never found that um i that was never the reality of my uni as i say i can only speak for my uni and that's only anecdotal because that's only you know the people i lived with or the, uni, or the course i was on um but you had so many different beliefs and and points of view and you would debate those points of view and it's i i think that was that was amazing so i i i think that the the image that uni is this place where everyone goes in thinks the same things and comes out thinking the same things that's that's not the case at all yeah yeah i, I definitely agree with that that's interesting the uh being down in in, in bogner and the freezing cold that's like the football equivalent of being at stoke on a tuesday night i've been i've been at stoke on a tuesday night watching chelsea <laughs> so i can make Bogner was definitely more difficult because you know there was no singing, there was no chanting. So Bogner is definitely worse on a on a what was it? On, I think it was a Monday morning, which was even worse after a Sunday, four a.m. Yeah. on a Monday morning, and it was like early February and it was minus something. And God, so yeah, that, I, that I prefer Stoke awful. away personally. <laughs> yeah, that, that does sound awful. Um, okay, right. So, so we're towards the sort of end of this podcast. I always open it up now with some long ball questions, which are. Some of them are quite deep. Some of them are just very reflective. Um, let, let's just let's just dive into it. How would you spend your last day on Earth? So you can do anything. Physics don't won't get in your way here. So if you want to travel to every place possible, you can. You could do, do yeah. anything. Ah, uh, um, oh, that's a really tough question. Um, <laughs> do you want me to fill the time whilst whilst you have a think? Yeah, put some uh, lift music on. Um, <laughs> yeah. I I think it would be spent with probably close friends and family. I think if if that was to, to, you know, getting everyone I deeply care about in a room and spending time with them would probably be the way I'd do it. That's maybe a cheesy and, and like sort of a, a stereotypical answer, but, you know, that's the, the one way. I mean, you know, if you talk about physics, you know, go in a time machine and speak to your younger self and tell them everything's going to be okay. You know, I, <laughs> maybe that's the sort of the narrative or filmmaking where you do it. But no, I, I think that would be the way I would do it because I, I care very deeply about my family and my friends, you know, I, I think that some of the best therapy I've ever had in my life at down moments is just sitting around with mates and laughing. Um, some of the best therapy I've had. So yeah, that'd probably be my answer for that. 
Yeah, yeah. I, I think I'd agree with that, except I'd do it on like a on a beach in Bali. I'd mm. somehow transport everyone there. Um, next question. Do you have any major life regrets? No. No, straight up, straight off the bat. No, I don't. I don't live my life with regrets. Um, it just, I think, I just, it, there's nothing to be gained out of that to me because I think you're going to have down moments. You're going, you know, and this is, I, I'm preaching here, but this doesn't mean that I don't struggle with these things on a daily basis. And you don't have moments where you feel like you regret something, but I don't in long term, no, because I feel that there are even the most negative moments I've had um, have shaped me. You know, if they didn't have, it's like that sort of butterfly effect. If that thing didn't happen to me here, I would not be the person I am today. Um, so I, I don't live with regrets because I think they just pull you down. I think, you know, what do you want to live your life by just thinking about yesterday and thinking about something that you did five years ago and, you know, constantly thinking that's going to pull you down. You know, I just, I think that living in the moment is something we spoke about earlier is so important. So no regrets are, are really toxic to me. I, I don't, I don't live with them at all. Yeah, that's, that's good to hear. I, I used to be sort of a regretful person, I think, but now mm. I realize that even maybe not so good decisions that I have made have shaped who I am now and if I I don't think I'd change anything if, if if I went back personally is there anything at the top of your bucket list if you have one that is uh probably to make my big feature film idea a reality that's probably top uh someone said to me you can only do no that's not the question you asked sorry to spin it but if, no, you know, no, no, if no. someone said to me you could only do one uh that would be it so uh, my big sort of feature film idea the script i've written that would be that would be it really i think that i'd feel feel satisfied even if it absolutely bombed and it was the worst thing i could sort of say just behind that would be living in america that would be probably second to me um, wow really two very be, contrasting yeah. things there yeah so that would probably be a, a second but yeah film film making a mm -hmm. making my big film idea a reality would be sort of top of that list probably for me awesome and yes before you ask i will be in it don't worry i can be an extra don't worry <laughs> Um, okay, next question. What is one thing that your subscribers or your followers may not know about you? Um, I think they probably wouldn't. You know, as we said at the start of this, um, I went to, I was really into musical theatre. Um, there was a time before I wanted to become a filmmaker. I wanted to, you know, be in the West End on stage. Um, and I went to a stage school. Um, you know, Michael Ball is, is one of my biggest heroes and role models and influences in life. Um, watching him at the West End on stage at the age of four was a massive part. And as we were talking about all these things connecting, I think that my love for musical theatre and, and stage shows was so relevant to me loving filmmaking and storytelling. So um, that would probably be what, you know, I went to stage school and there was a long period of my life in sort of childhood. That's sort of one of my biggest dreams was was getting mm -hmm. on stage and, and performing. So, yeah, that was that's probably something they don't know. Definitely. Class, class. And the final question of the day, what does your ideal life look like? Um, you, were you talking about like a day or are you talking about the sort of your, the, the your rest sort of, of, the rest your, of my... your, Yeah, like your big life picture, I suppose. Like, mm. I, I don't actually, in, in my opinion anyway, I don't actually believe that there is an ideal life. I don't think that concept yeah. really exists. But if you yeah. if you were to paint it, how how would you paint it? I think um, being able to tell stories, um, being able to, you know, go to sleep every night feeling that, you know, you've, you've achieved something in that day um, and being, you know, 
humble, I think is, is a massive part of my life. Um, and, and sort of trying to be, you know, better than I was the day before. And I think that's a very simple thing. I could sort of give you an idea of dream picture of, you know, being in New York with a flat and, you know, having an Oscar and, and winning an Oscar and giving my massive speech. But I think that that's, that's a basic thing because those things are, you know, massive goals and massive dreams. But I think the, the basic thing that you can talk, I could sort of do now, you know, I'm doing, you know, that you try and attempt to do now. So I think that's it. And, you know, loving your family, loving your friends, um, aiming for self-improvement, which I think is a massive part of my life, um, definitely over the previous years. So yeah, that would probably, probably be the way I'd, I'd go about phrasing it and answering your question. Cause I think that's, that's important to me. Class man. Love it. Daniel, thank you so much for joining me on the thank podcast you, today. Um, it's been great to have you on. There'll be links in the description to find Daniel's page, especially if, especially if you're a Chelsea fan. I really recommend you, you you have a look. Very balanced views that he's got there. Really insightful, really creative as well. But um, yeah, we'll wrap it up there. Thank you for listening to the Football and Feelings podcast and thank you to Daniel again. Cheers. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.